Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast for media featuring featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar saurians and scalies. I'm your host, Lud Milanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Stryker, Math Machine, and Lucky Eevee. Today is our eighth episode, and we're discussing Dragonheart Vengeance from 2020. So, let's get things started. So, a funny right. thing is, there's been a trend, it probably started in like the 90s with the whole direct-to-video boom, and it lasted until the early 2010s, but direct-to-video sequels of live-action movies have been surprisingly popular, and most of them are not that good. You have stuff like, say, Jingle All the Way 2 with Larry the Cable Guy. You have stuff like the endless amount of Children of the Corn sequels, which are based off of a 30 I'm sorry, back that up? Story. Back that up? How many sequels for Children of the Corn? They have like something like 13 of them or something like that. Oh, I, can, I can check. <laughs> I know, I know. It, it's insane. Uh, it's insane but do it's not like, do that to Stephen King. Do it's not like a 30 do page that, short story. And they made and they stretched it out, but they have like, you know, the Scorpion King prequels, of which is four of them. So yeah, direct a video as uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and a short film. Right, right. Oh, that is a lot. Eleven. That's still a lot. Not thirteen, but still quite a lot for thirty-page short story. But yeah, direct a video sequels is something that's always been popular. And the movie today we're talking about, Dragonheart Vengeance, is the fifth, or rather fourth sequel. To the original Dragonheart movie from 1997. Uh, the original yeah. Dragonheart, I have only seen it a couple of times. I recall it being a decent movie. It's not like Lord of the Rings quality, but it's better than you know some of the other fantasy movies that you know, like in, in the name of the king. It, it sits in like a middle ground, I think, of fantasy movies. Although Draco himself is a fantastic, fantastic character. With that being said, the actual special effects for Draco himself. Sadly, have not aged so well. He looks good at night, like at scenes when they're at night and they don't have to put like too much, you know, light on him. He looks pretty good. But in scenes where he's like in direct daytime, like the scene where he rises out of the lake and like looks at the sheep and that, that looks almost unfinished. I mean, it is like spawn level CGI. And again, it, this was 1990, you know, seven. So, you know, you got to cut them some slack, but. On the other hand, you have stuff like Jurassic Park or T2, which came before it, which looked like a thousand times better because they mixed practical effects with CGI. Hell, even Batman Mask of the Phantasm did CG better, And honestly, after hearing that. Oh, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, the concepts of Dragonheart were well done. Connery does a very good performance, and since the movie was mildly successful i don't know if it was like a huge box office smash but it was successful enough to where it got sequels now mm. the ironic part is because even though they had sean connery in the movie they didn't do the obvious casting which was to get george lazenby then you get roger moore then you get timothy dalton then you get pierce bronson even though and then you get daniel craig even though craig was harrison on ford yet. and then you get whoever the heck that did the russian person in that one uh, indiana jones 3 movie right, exactly exactly <laughs> but yeah but seriously though, so <laughs> dragonheart vengeance is the fifth 
as the fifth movie in the Dragonheart franchise. And for a direct-to-video movie, it is very, very well done. Like, it's, it is almost, I'd say it just needs a little bit of a not just to almost be theatrical quality, which is something that is very rare for a lot of these direct-to-video movies. If you have seen, like, the Sharknado uh, sequels, you will know that to some direct-to-video movie, live-action movies can be just complete, complete uh, junk. You know, with, mm, like, zero yeah, effort. Like put garbage. But mm. this, they def- someone definitely cared about it, cared about the production, cared about the sets, which are very well done. And like I say, the uh, story is definitely one that uh, fits in the world. Thing you can mm-hmm. actually watch this movie and not see a single other Dragonheart movie, and you will probably get the gist of it, which I feel is actually a good sign of a sequel in this case because yeah, like, it meant that they made it more universal. Yeah, yep. admit, admit that they made it their own thing, more or less, exactly. which honestly is surprising, which almost makes me uh, not want to see the other movies because. What? Why? What's the point? We got this movie right here. It's all you need. Right, right. And I gave a little bit of misinformation uh, earlier. Uh, It was a 96 movie. It got 97 nomination for visual effects. That's what... Uh, Okay, Okay, I'm Mm. checking, and there are six Sharknado movies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Plus three spinoffs. Crazy, yeah, crazy. Firstly, secondly, on the note of the 1996 thing, that's art. That's honestly the same year uh, Minnesota Fast honestly passed away. Wow. So interesting thing to yeah. know, but still okay. But yeah, uh, so getting back to Dragonheart Vengeance, it really is a very well done movie, especially you know for in its genre. The protagonist Lucas is actually pretty decent. It it does yeah. remind me a little bit of Aragon, but it does it better. I feel like he has like a better motivation in that, and yeah. of course you can't talk about this movie without talking about the uh, villains or supposed villains, even though they're working for another force, the Raiders, who are really just so awesome, especially for this. And they're not named; I think they're called like you know the Wolf, the Scorpion, etc. Bear and the Snake. Yeah, yeah, like yeah the they, they're not actually given names; they're just given yes. titles. But they, they are really, really. <laughs> They they really have like an old school fantasy vibe about them. They like uh something you would find in like an eighties fantasy movie, something like uh maybe Legend or I'm trying to think what was the other one that was in the eighties or not Dragonheart. What was the one? Uh, uh, Alfred, anyway, the Labyrinth, maybe. Uh, no, not Labyrinth. Definitely not Labyrinth. But uh, anyway, but they definitely have like an eighties fantasy vibe about them. They seem like they would definitely fit in that kind of world. And again, you could make the obvious, you know, comparisons between this and Lord of the Rings. Um, Yeah, maybe that would work too. But uh, yeah, you could make comparisons between this and like Lord of the Rings because you can definitely tell they're taking a little bit of the visuals from it. But on the other hand, I feel like this movie really just stands alone on its well. Very, very uh, stands alone on itself. It does it very, very well. And like I say, the soundtrack too is... Very good because a lot of these direct video sequels they often use like generic stock music or like you know a lot of synth heavy stuff, mm-hmm. your royalty free stuff. But this actually seems like they you know did it yeah. in a little bit of a different direction. Now, with that being said, this movie you know isn't perfect, it's a little bit uh, it doesn't really drag, uh, haha, dragon movie drag, but anyway, uh-huh. but, but what 
sorry, tongue twisted. But what I'm basically Unlike saying is that super drags. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is the movie does kind of seem like it gets a little bit bogged down in like the middle part, even though, like I say, uh, you know, it is a very good movie and it definitely has good action sequences. Like that part at the beginning with like the raid on the house and with the raiders and that. That is actually so well shot. And again, it's clear they use, you know, digital and not, you know, film for this, as a lot of direct-to-video uh, sequels mm -hmm. do. But it is still really, really uh, well done, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I like the acting in this and the way they portrayed the characters. Uh, but the editing is what really hurts this movie. It, it just oh, feels yeah. like cut to cut to cut yeah. with no, no, nothing yeah. connecting them. Also, some yeah. of the green screen was a little distracting. Like, I couldn't... I mean, there were some points I couldn't tell if it was green screen or actual landscape. Also, some of the camera movement was a little iffy. But honestly, I I mean, given the fact that it's a direct-to-video sequel, I can't really fault them for that, even though, exactly. yes, it does bring the movie down a bit. Down a little bit. But you can't really fault them for that because mm -hmm. they have to work really within the limitations they have. I, I you could yeah. definitely tell if this was like a theatrically released movie, a movie with a higher budget, that they would be able, you know, to probably have, you know, better editing, better editing or like on screen filming or even like better green screen effect. But for what it is, it does work. Even though I will definitely agree with you on the editing there that it can be pretty choppy at times. Not as bad as something like I don't know if you've seen Taken Three. I have not. There's a part no. where Liam Neeson jumps over like a fence. It takes like, you know, 16 cuts for like one scene of him climbing over a fence. It is like so distracting. Ah. But mm. yeah, yeah, it, it is a little bit like that in this, but thankfully not as bad. Yeah, and you can tell in this movie where they put all the budget as well, and I think they made the right choice with that. Yeah, they oh, did Sibeth really good. Yeah, they they yeah, did her really of good. Course, and of course, we will uh, talk about her uh, in about uh, probably a second. But yeah, like I said, uh, Sibeth definitely is the best part of this movie. I mean, she's the movie reason the movie exists, of course. Yes. And she is the first dragoness in the Dragonheart franchise, surprisingly. Took them five oh, yeah. movies to get to it, but better late than never. And she's voiced by Helena Botham Carter, who is a fantastic actress. And that is a huge get for a direct-to-video sequel. Somebody like Helena Botham Carter. Most of the time, the star power in direct-to-video sequels are guys who, you know, are name-recognizable, but are definitely guys who are a little past their prime. Like, for example, like Dolph Lundgren and guys like that, basically. Mm. The, amount of, the amount of movies Bruce Willis has been in. Yeah, <laughs> that was more of a sad case. But, but yeah, no, a lot of them, basically... Direct-to-video sequels, for the most part, don't get that level of a star talent that Helena Botham Carter uh, basically is. And she does a fantastic job. Uh, as always, she's a fantastic actress. And the voice really, really suits her. Suits mm. her civic, basically. Oh, yeah, it does. It very much yeah. does. I mean, seriously, you have her. You have a freaking dragoness who can shapeshift into other animals yeah, and, yeah. Even, and still be smart as said animals. And pretty much, you can pretty much have her freaking uh, pee on a guy's uh, gear oh, God, and still have her pretty much, and still pretty much have her be the most dignified part of the entire movie. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, that's kind of like what ties into the first movie where dragons could disguise themselves as like, you know, rocks and stuff like that. 
It's interesting how they built more on the lore that dragonesses can turn into other animals. And yeah. it, it really does work for the character. And again, she is easily the most dignified part of the movie. She's the part of the movie with the most care and, you know, effort put into it. And mm. again, you know, the effects on her are incredible. It is so we are living in a world where the direct to video sequel, you know, the fourth sequel has better effects than, you know, the original. You know, granted, there's been a lot of advancements in technology, but still, the fact that you can actually say that is kind of incredible. Yeah, pretty much most of the movie has pretty much scenes that make it look like something out of, I don't know, a freaking, uh, uh, so gosh. And imagine Dragon's uh, music video, but 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 keeping Siveth the same and keeping her consistently uh, looking good, sounding good, just... Mm, that is that is the kind of movie that I honestly exactly, exactly. am surprised exists, and exactly, I'm really glad yeah. it does. Now there are like just a couple of scenes where the lighting effects on her are a little bit off. Like, thankfully, the reason they keep uh, clouds on her and that, and you know, her in the darkness is probably to avoid that. She's not really in the direct sunlight, sunlight until like you know later on in the movie. But it, she does look good for the most part. There's just like, a, like maybe one of one scene with like a little bit of a lighting, weird bit of lighting on her. But aside from that, it she is just so well done. The gray scales, you know, gray whitish scales really work for her. The silver and, scales. Exactly, exactly. Wait so, a minute. Uh, Wait a minute. Yeah. A silver scaled dragoness with blue eye Dragon, what the shit movie? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. You have just unleashed. Wow. That, that is something else. <laughs> oh, oh my god. That that is amazing. I, I right. Even more now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that that bumps her up a lot. Uh, that definitely uh, definitely bumps her up a lot and you know it's the appreciation uh, there. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, the design apparently was reused from Dragonheart 4. They reused some bits of it in some sequences. I have never seen the fourth Dragonheart, so I can't say. Probably not gonna now that Seventh exists. No, <clears> definitely <throat> not. Definitely not. It's like now that you have this, just you probably could just watch the original and watch this, and you get the whole gist of everything. Pretty and much, can, yeah. Seventh, like I say, has ice powers, which definitely is something unique for dragons in general on film. Most of the time, of course, dragons, you know, are associated with, you know, fire and stuff like that. You don't yeah, really I mean, see elemental dragons in film, period. I think Sivith I mean, might be one of the only examples, believe it or not. And if she is, she is definitely a good one because the way that, you know, the the effects on, you know, her ice breath and stuff like that is, again, very well done with how, the, you know, the mist and that. And, I, yeah, sorry, sorry. I mean, granted, you do get other examples of other elemental dragons. Pokemon, D&D, Neverwinter, right, right. that sort of thing. Maybe but, in yeah, live action film. I feel yeah. I think movies need to expand more on, like, uh, dragons outside of, like, the fire element. I mean, oh, yeah. right, I right. think we get some of that with other media, like Yu-Gi-Oh! and whatnot, but uh, otherwise, yeah. Film, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. definitely gotta do more of it. But yeah, like I say, uh, Sivith really is its just a fun character. She's very dignified. And the movie has a surprising amount of comedy. And, and you know, I'll, I'll be damned. The comedy actually really works well, you know? Mm. 
the, the one part, of course, that is great is, you know, the whole bit where she's trying basically to help Lucas talk to Alana. You know, it's, of course, the classic Serrano moment, Serrano de Bergerac moment. And yeah. it always reminds me that the, whenever anything like that happens in like a movie or a TV show, I'm always reminded of the one episode of Futurama, you know, with Fry and Zoidberg, you know, oh, tell her you, she lost weight. You look malnourished. Do you have any parasites in you? <laughs> you know, like that. There was a Zoidberg. I'm also reminded of uh, Saranda Bergerac, but the version that Family Guy did, like how Peter uh, Quagmire, Joe, and freaking Cleveland did like a uh, neighborhood watch program or something like that, and like they see Serrano de Bergerac like trying to help us one guy out, and then they just like freaking derail the whole thing. Like the guy's oh, saying God. what's going on to Serrano de Bergerac, and it's like Peter and the others beating the crap out of them. <laughs> oh, God, okay. But yeah, but this version of that part, that, uh, you know, cliche part, is actually really, really well done. I love... Like I say, yeah. the world building of, you know, dragon courtships and like stuff like, you know, the jaw lock and things like that. It definitely is funny and well done. And it works because Siveth is basically the straight woman in the situation. She is acting, you know, about what dragons know and dragon instincts and stuff like that. And it, again, it is probably one of the funniest parts of the movie. And in a movie that really has no right to be as funny as it is and yes. well-written as it is. <laughs> uh, every time Siveth was on screen, for the most part, like, every time uh, she and, like, every every time a funny moment happened on screen with Siveth, it was hilarious. Oh, like, the scene, like, the freaking, uh, the, yes, like, her is. spitting one-liners and fire, like, nobody's exactly, business. Exactly. <sighs> yeah, she definitely has like a sarcastic personality to her, and it actually, like I say, it really works out well because you know it allows her to have the best lines in the movie. And again, she really is the best character. Without yeah. her, this would be like a a passable but not memorable, basically fantasy film. But with mm. her in it, I think it really elevates it to like like I said, being one of the better directed video sequels and probably a really like decent fantasy film in its own right. It, it it really is up there with almost the original in terms of quality. Mm, yeah, that's true. And of course the uh, cool part is when he meets her, you know, in their cavern, it definitely has not so much, you know, like a smog vibe, but the way that she basically reacts to, to his presence and her, him reacting to the fact that, you know, a dragon is female, which is something that, you know, is funny. That is so rare, even in universe. And he's like, you know, you know, you you're a girl dragon, and she was like, "Wearing a truck, exactly." I'm not like that one. Uh, that's oh. definitely another girl dragon. But, but yeah, <laughs> her line in real in retaliation to it is, "You know, do you see? Want me to wear a frock?" It's just, it's so great. It's so great. And uh, yeah, also, like, she unhinges her jaw around him, which definitely is something that probably has a lot of views on YouTube. You know, let's just. Oh yeah. That. But no, no, it, it is really, really well done. Yeah. She's a very, very uh, noble character. Yeah, and very noble, even with yeah. all the near pull, near pulls she does in this movie. Exactly. <laughs> like that. That's that's the thing I really like about Siveth. Like she skirts that line of being smarmy and whatnot, but in a way that makes her it makes her noble and. In, in the end, makes all her freaking uh, intentions come to light in a very unique way, if you know what right, I mean. Right, right. 
Yeah, she it, is heavily carried uh, by Helena Bonham Carter as well. She uh, she just brings this this regalness uh, that's just needed for this kind of character, which all of the Dragonheart movies have kind of done. Even the the sequel one, the straight to video sequel ones, they've had a very good reputation for some weird reason of getting high profile actors for the dragons. Ben Kingsley in three, uh, Patrick Stewart in four, yeah. Helena Bonham Carter in five. So Patrick they Stewart, they kept the trend. Really? Wait wait wait, Patrick Stewart. Yeah, I read that on the Wikipedia page. They got Patrick Stewart. Whoa, th- th- that that is really? wow. I mean, oh. to be fair, they did get him for freaking like Bambi two and Romeo and Juliet, but like that that's holy still, crap! Wow, that that still is a huge get too. Probably, yeah, this, you know, almost as huge as Patrick Bond Stewart. Carter. Wow. This series exactly. seems to understand get high-profile, regal-sounding actors for the, for dragons. the dragons. They understand that, and that's what makes this work, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, like, honestly, I'm surprised Charlotte isn't part of this because, like, her, like, I, I remember, like, from uh, her, her, like, entire uh, world book. Like, uh, she said, like, uh, th- some of the dragons have, like, uh, interesting muzzles that make it hard to, like, enunciate normal English so- in, the, like, the sort of way that we sort of speak English, like, American English. So, uh, but, uh, they, it makes them sound very different, like, sort of an accent, sort of. So, honestly, and I can't be- help but be reminded of that, because, like, have both regal and both uh, accented sort of things, which honestly is very surprising in both uh, both respects. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, uh, there is an interesting uh, plot twist in the movie, which, you know, uh, spoilers for anyone who has seen the movie, who hasn't seen the movie, but yeah. it turns out that... Um, the king was working with the raiders, basically, to keep control of the kingdom. And apparently, this movie was, according to my notes, uh, was actually inspired more like revenge-based westerns, like the Dollars Trilogy, more than mm. fantasy films with its story, which I can see that. I definitely can see, you know, that kind of plot twist yeah, being I, a I surprise. I can see that, that's for sure. It, honestly, that ending did feel a little Western. I mean, I see the I see the sights, and it honestly looks more like American or like South or like Canadian than anything else. Which exactly, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like <sighs> I say, uh, but like I say, uh, the way that her story basically unfolds, because at the beginning you have the whole narration of her basically being a traitor, and she was forced into exile into the cavern and stuff like that. It again, it really ties into the story of vengeance and how her views on vengeance that you know, vengeance is basically wrong, and you know, and it, it basically is something that fits very well with the tone of the series and the tone of the movie in general. Mm-hmm. And it definitely is a kind of refreshing to see a fantasy movie with that kind of uh, basically storyline to it. Yeah. So unfortunately, this kind of goes back into the this had a shoestring budget straight to DVD kind of thing because uh, I, I use the term twist in heavy air quotes because that thing was projected from space. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I just called it a twist because it is supposed to be a plot twist, but it was very obvious. It, re- it was extremely obvious even yeah. on like first viewing. They sort of built it up from like the the second half or like the final third. 
Like, they're talking about how the king was kind of a dick, and, like, they knew exactly what was going to happen. So, exactly, yeah. Exactly, yeah. But, yeah, like I say, Sivet, of course, ends up being the one who saves the day. Not with violence, but she saves them, you know, the people of, like, the, uh, you know, kingdom with from famine with the crops she cultivated. So, like I say, that is something, again, that is very, very rare, especially for, like, a fantasy movie where, like, the dragon turns out to be the main hero, aside, of course, you know, from the Dragonheart franchise, but outside of that, this is something that is extremely rare, basically, in uh, movies in general, so it's really nice to see it here. And really, yeah. the ending is just so heartwarming, how Sivet is basically accepted by society, and Lucas and Darius have basically moved on from, you know, what their original goals were and stuff like that. It really is something that it's an ending that wraps everything up, and it's an yeah. ending that wraps it up in a very, very nice way. And, of course, yeah. it is... Like I say, this movie, honestly, if if it wasn't called, like, Dragonheart Vengeance and it didn't have a shoestring budget, this could have been a very good standalone movie on its own. Now, mm. would it have been made if it wasn't supposed to be tied into the Dragonheart name is unknown. But regardless, mm. it is a movie that I think is really, really well done. Yeah, they were. Yeah, like in the end, they sought vengeance. But after like uh, finding out who their real enemy was, in the end, it was justice that won. Like, exactly. which mm-hmm. honestly, that's pretty solid from a movie that has the pretty much the same budget as, say, something like Bartok the Magnificent. Oh, exactly. And, exactly. and it is. Yeah, and it is very yeah. amazing in that regard. Yeah, yeah, especially for like a modern one where a lot of them now, I remember uh, it was Honest Trailers who said this about Hocus Pocus 2. They said something like, I remember in their trailer, they said something like, man, don't you, w- don't you wish remembering when movies like this would go to theaters instead of being directed, being uh, put direct to streaming? And it is kind of true in a way that there's something about these uh, kind of movies basically being churned out for a streaming service that seems a little bit more cynical than being released on video. For some reason, I don't know why, it really shouldn't be, but there's something that just feels that way. But yeah, uh, regardless, uh, Sivith is a fantastic, fantastic character, and I really, her design is great, the voice is great, basically the, the, the way she's done as a character definitely, definitely makes her shine through. It, it mm-hmm. It's... It's not quite like, you know, the analogy I sometimes give, you know, a 10 out of 10 character in like a 5 out of 10 movie. Uh, maybe what I would say is she's like a 10 out of 10 character in like a 6 out of 10 movie. Let's say that the movie is decent and the movie, you know, is good. It has good elements that aren't Siveth, but Siveth <laughs> is the main reason to watch this movie. She yeah. is like, you know, definitely the reason probably to watch this movie. I would personally be a little more uh, lenient towards this movie. I'd say about 7 or 8 out of 10 at most. Probably 7 out of 10 because, like, its its quality is far from, like, other directed DVD movies, even though it's, like, still hampered by the low budget. But it is very much enjoyable. I'm actually a bit uh, harsher on the movie in the opposite uh, direction than from you guys. Uh, I view this as, like, a five movie, but then I'm comparing that to actual, like, higher production movies. So, 
I'm a, I'm skewed on that. If I was just direct uh, comparing this to direct to DVD movies, oh, this, this is absolutely a seven and eight. Yeah, because it is. Exactly. I can tell it's one of the better ones, but as a okay. just a standalone movie by itself, it is kind of, eh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Agree. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, that brings us to um, the question of the episode, which is, what directed video live action movies do you like? And I'm going to start off with a pretty interesting one because nowadays, sadly, they've made a lot of pretty, you know, bad movies. They made uh, some movies that are really, really, really awful. But a lot of the full moon picture features like the Puppet Master movies from the uh, 90s are really, really well done, especially for directed video movies. Like I say, like the first maybe four or five Puppet Master movies are like theatrical quality. But sadly, now Full Moon Pictures makes stuff like Ginger Dead Man, Evil Bong, Evil Bong meets Ginger Dead Man, and oh. they have a budget of like you know twenty dollars, and they they are basically unwatchable now. Sadly, Full Moon Pictures now is nothing from what they used to be. With like even like the Puppet Master movies, you could tell are so cheap and haphazardly done. But there was something about them in like the first four, maybe. Maybe I'd be generous and say five that are just really, really well done. The you know puppetry, of course, and you know anim basically on the characters and the stop motion is you know amazing for again the genre of direct video movies. And overall, it definitely those are probably some of my favorite direct video movies. And what mm. would you have to say, Engron? Oh man. Okay. Uh, direct to video. Uh, that's uh, a I tough also one. Specify, uh, live action because we did a thing about the animation stuff. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I'll sorry. be honest. I don't know that many good uh, live action directed video movies. I mean, I could be tempted to say something like The Mummy Returns, if possible, but I don't know if that was uh, released in theaters or that like just. That definitely was theatrical. Oh fuck. Oh man, I I honestly don't know. I haven't really seen a whole lot of direct to video uh uh live action movies and if I have, I honestly wouldn't have known. I mean one could I mean uh, yeah, I honestly don't know. I haven't really seen a whole lot of live action and if I have, it was either theatrical or I just didn't know if it was like a uh, freaking uh, direct-to-video. Right, uh, right. Uh, though I guess I could go out on a limb and say freaking Roger Rabbit is the closest. But then I would basically have to... But then I immediately remember that freaking... Uh, Maybe Batman, but that's probably also theatrical frick. Right, right. I honestly okay. don't know. Okay. Uh, Math Machine, what would you have to say? Alright, this isn't actually a personal favorite uh, uh, series of mine, but uh, I, I think it's an interesting topic just to talk about, because my, my specialty is in animation so that's that's kind of my forte so this is just one of these things that like nobody knows about for some weird reason okay. so when talking about uh, sequel series everyone always thinks of land before time series 
Yeah. Uh, or in the modern era, they might think Norma the North or Alpha and Omega. Or Bartok the Magnificent. <laughs> Here's a sequel series that nobody ever talks about. Oh. The Swan Princess sequel series. Oh, it, it wasn't right. just It wasn't just the two movies it, right after it in 97-98. For some reason, starting from 2012, they brought it back as CG, and there was a movie basically every year until 2020. Wow. And they all revolved wow. around their daughter for some weird reason. Yeah, the original, the, the original Swan Princess really isn't, you know, is really not that good to begin with. So the fact that they actually managed to make that much is, that's kind of crazy. Mm. VHS sales, man, they can they can keep a series yeah, going. Sales. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is gosh. wild, and looking at them, it is not a good series, but it's just one of these things that how it survived, nobody knows, and it just kept going. Right, right. But yeah, that that is, wow. That that definitely is pushing it. I mean, especially like when they go CGI, you definitely know that's a sign of when things are going to start to steadily go, you know, start to steadily decline a little bit especially like when they change the art style and they start focusing on like the the children of the main character then you know it's gonna you're in for a bad time mm-hmm. yeah the so have, like the alpha and omega movies where some of them look like unfinished yeah mm-hmm. and the funniest part to me is everyone always does talk about the land before time ones because there's like 16 movies now yeah there are this has 10 and nobody ever talks about it wow wow yikes Though, honestly, I just remembered, like, Disney has uh, made a bunch of direct-to-like stream and direct-to-like video movie live-action stuff. Like, uh, so, don't worry, it's one of the fucking good ones, I think. I remember most of them from Uh, The two that... Yeah, the two that ultimately come to mind for me in terms of uniqueness and like just overall just being uh, amazing in their own way is like Loki and WandaVision. Now, well, WandaVision spinoffs, really. Sorry, what? Like direct, those are more like TV spinoffs and like uh, direct-to-video sequels. Direct-to-video sequels are like you know one-and-done kind of things. Well, these are like you know more like TV miniseries. Yeah, okay. I, I got nothing then. That's right, that's right. Uh Striker, uh you have anything to add? I barely know any. If there are any that I remember, it would be like the Disney Channel movies. Uh even then they were just meh. Yeah. Yeah, those were those are just, you know, kinda generic to be honest. Uh most of them, you know, there were a couple of good ones, sure. but for the most part, you you don't remember any of them, probably for a reason. Because yeah. uh, oh, like, wait, 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 wait! I just remembered one. Yeah. I forget the name specifically, but the premise is like an African American family gets a uh, transfer student from South Africa, but they themselves are like, you know, white, so it's a little awkward. I forget the name of the movie, but it it it, it was something that Disney made. Oh, right. No, uh, I probably haven't oh, heard of it. Color of Friendship. That's what it was called. I saw it yeah, in middle school, it. and it was very unique. Haven't heard of it, so I can't talk about its quality, but sounds like it could be good. 
Yeah. Um, all right. So, um, Lucky Evie, you got anything to say about nope. this uh, with the live action uh, sequels to uh, direct video sequels, rather? Nope. All right. Mm. So, um, all right. I guess but I have now uncovered new information. Uh huh. Go ahead. There was a shocking little video game, a book, a one off Archie comic. Okay. And three whole documentaries. Okay, talk what about it called. Talk about uh extending out a franchise. I mean, that they milked every last drop out of that, you know, concept. I mean, for all that to be made, wow. That that I'm is sorry. Which franchise are you talking about in that regard? Sharknado. Oh lordy. I know that 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 is wow. That that is insanity right there. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna put the guy Ochi to do this. I, I can't Yikes. believe that. Wow, wow. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they've done worse. They've canceled Mega Man. They've pretty much disowned uh, canon Sonic, Sonic lore yeah, and whatnot. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Tenders. But I anyway. miss Mega Man. Yeah, same here. So, anyway, now it is time for the um, one of the most important part of the show, the patent-pending Dragonist Scale where we rank uh, the Dragoness from 1 to 10 and see what score uh, she gets. So, today we're talking about Siva, the course, and I am going to give her a very generous score of 9 out of 10. Now, the reason I'm giving her that high of a score is because, as we've, you know, repeatedly said, she is easily, easily the best part of the movie that she is in. She uh, is such a well-written character, she is a well animated character. She is uh, she has excellent characterization. She has you know really excellent voice acting. I even love the little touches, like the reverb they put on her voice, basically you know indicating you know a size that it really it, maybe you know uh, it's something again that really really works out well. So yeah, I am gonna have to give Sibeth a very high score of nine out of ten because they this is clearly uh, what the filmmakers focused the most on with this movie and mm -hmm. you, you can tell every second every second that she's on screen you can see all the effort that went into her i i definitely Absolutely. i can't give her a 10 out of 10 out of conscious because you know the movie just, does hold her back a little like a little bit a little bit yeah. if this is like you know, it, it ties theatrical. a hand behind her I mean, it ties a hand around her back, but, like, if she's still able to go despite that, I mean, she's got three other limbs, so... Exactly. Uh, Good point. Yeah. But, you know, that really, really shows, I think, how how well done she is. So, yeah, Siveth, to me, uh, 9 out of 10. Yeah. I will give her basically the same score, but on a more realistic note, because... Yeah, she's pretty much what made the movie, but there's a little more depth to her. Like, she has snark, she has, like, best characterization overall. Like, she gets a she more or less plays off very nicely with, like, the main characters. Like, she helps carry them along, she helps ma get, make them get better, and it, it's like, uh, like, she really oh. does a good job. Like, her, and, like, also her intricacies, her, like, freaking abilities her like lore Even it, the little it, details like her talking to herself yeah like the look yeah i don't think that's ever really explained i mean probably because she's like a hermit and, like she's had no one else to talk to for years i mean i can somewhat relate but like same. yeah yeah that is yeah like really part of her but yeah it, it does work out again yeah 
That is pretty amazing. Like her abilities, her characterization, her role in the movie, it's all amazing. Like again, the movie itself, the quality, the editing and whatnot does kinda keep her down just a little bit, but otherwise I can't really I can't really give her anything less than a nine out of ten. She's that amazing. Exactly, exactly. So uh uh, Matt, what would you have to give her? Uh, I'm going to keep this train going and say nine. Uh, I've mm. always loved uh, the the straight man or straight woman characters. Uh, her regality is great. Her design is great. Uh, there's nothing about this character herself that I actually dislike. I can point to the exact scene, though, of why it's a nine rather than a ten. Okay. Uh, the, the action scene where they are fighting the wolf's pack and she is swiping her tail to knock back some of the enemies, that scene just looks oof. Like, you can yeah, see I mean, they I have no budget. Yeah, you, I understand you, you, a little bit. That's one of the parts where, like, the low budget definitely works against the movie in a way. That that definitely is one of the parts where you could tell that the low budget is... They were fighting against it, basically. Yeah. yeah, you can tell if they had a higher budget, they would have gone a lot more elaborate with the effects, and yeah. it would have looked a lot better. But for what it is, uh, yeah, that that is part of the problem of like director video stuff is that they have to cut corners a lot, and yeah, it definitely can show sometimes. And so, corners uh, of the box. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for those that uh, haven't uh, seen the movie, it, the scene itself basically played out like pole wires just lifting a, a person up and the Wilhelm scream. It, it was that low budget, that bad. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Wilhelm scream doesn't really detract from anything, but... It is noticeable. You notice the Wilhelm scream. When you hear the Wilhelm scream, you notice the Wilhelm scream, basically. Yeah, so, it, yeah. it's, a good, it's a good scream, too. It's funny. Oh, yeah. it, like, it's I mean, even Star Wars does this from time to time, but... It can it, take still, out of it it's a still little iconic bit. for a damn good reason. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, uh, not knocking the scream, just showing how low they were going that they yeah, had to yeah, use they had to that reuse that for free. Exactly. So, a uh, striker, what would you have to give a uh, civet? I'm going with a nine because I just nice. Well, even though I feel as though she isn't as memorable as characters like say, uh, uh babe. I'm trying to remember her name, actually. Like uh, Ludmilla or Maleficent or that? Uh, Isu. Name the series and we might be able to help you. Sisu. That's what her name was. Oh, Sisu. She's not as memorable yeah, yeah. as Sisu for me, but she is a really, really good character. Honestly, that's another thing I'd like to note out. Like, that movie, like, if it had gone the route of no dragoness, it would honestly feel like a lesser man's uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, except there would be people and there'd be basically no dragon, and it would Exactly, suck. exactly. It definitely would feel would a little suck. more generic. Yeah, very, very, very generic. Mm. Wouldn't work out well at all. Okay, yeah. and uh, Lucky Eevee, what would you give Civet? I was gonna give her a seven, but then I'd be bringing the average down. That'd make me feel bad. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. You know, I don't feel pressured for anything like that. Yeah. I will give her a seven for my pants because I forgot to watch the movie All right. again. All right. That sounds good. 
Okay, so um, if you have any questions or if you want to throw a party with Civet, you can feel free to email us at fieryDiscourse at outlook.com or uh, post on tw- or share with us on Twitter on twitter.com slash fieryDiscourse. Next time, we'll be talking about the 2022 movie Luck, which is one of the recent Dragonesses with uh, Babe, voiced by uh, Jane Fonda. And that'll be next week's episode. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yep. So until then, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you so much. And take care. Peace, y'all. Peace. Oh, man. Adios.